Welcome to Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTQ news and public affairs show featuring music, events, and interviews, both local and global. From the WFHB studios in Bloomington, Indiana, this is Blooming Out. Good evening and welcome to Blooming Out on WFHB. I'm Grace Thumser. And I am Colin Schasperger. On tonight's show, we have our featured music, your LGBTQ news headlines, and the LGBTQ area event calendar. But first, we have Ashton Shaw Melvin, author of Life's Uncertain Journeys, an LGBTQ short story collection with us. Uh, Ashton, thank you so much for being on the show today. No problem. I'm happy to be here. So uh, we've got you on the show today uh, to talk about your new book, um, right. which has just come out, correct? Right. It just came out a few months ago, and um, I'm just now starting to push it. Um, kind of set back on it for a little while, but I think now is the time to get it going. Absolutely. And uh, tell us a little bit about the book, about its kind of plot and... Uh um, the book is made up of four short stories. Um, I wanted to do short stories because I wanted to cover more than just one type of um, storyline. Um, there are people who in the stories who are gay, lesbian, uh, bisexual, transgender. I wanted to try and cover um, all facets as much as I could anyway. Um, and so each character in the book is struggling with trying to find themselves some of them don't realize who they are until different people come into their lives others have known for a while just a matter of telling their friends and family along the way um so that's kind of the basic setup of the stories mm-hmm. and uh now i'm sure that a lot of that is based from personal experience with yourself or with friends do you uh um in each story there's a little piece from my life put in mm-hmm. there. Maybe it's a place that I've been to or people who I met in college, people who I met in high school. Some stories are closer to my life than others or were influenced more by my experiences. Um, there's definitely, when you're writing a book, I think it depends on your genre, but um, this book was especially personal, I think, when you're doing books like this because I wanted to be able to reach out to young adults. This book was, when I was writing it, I was thinking more of high school, junior high, early college, um, because it's mostly about self-discovery, and it happens at all times in your life, but I really wanted to try and let this book be somewhat of a guide for people, um, hence the um, Mm -hmm. title, Journey. Um, And so... um, I really want to, I wanted to be careful because I wanted to help people. Um, but I think it was important for me because I wanted to have an impact, but I wanted it to be positive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't want the stories to put this picture out there that things were going to go badly and coming out was going to be a bad experience. So um, in the stories, even. <laughs> don't want to give it too much away Um, (laughs) of course but I think in the end of each story you'll come away with something and feel better about yourself Um, and with the stories too even though it's for young adults 
I also wanted to be for families who may have people in their lives who have gone through this um, because it's not always easy to understand, I think, if you haven't been through before. Like a lot of life experiences, just not for LGBTQ people. Um, I know for my family it would have been nice for them to have something like this to go over. Um, So I think it just it works out for a lot of people. Um, and you don't need to be LGBTQ or have a family who's involved to read it. Hopefully it's a good read <laughs> by itself. Um, so, yeah. Absolutely. And I love what you said about it. You know, you wanting to be the book to be a guide for others. And I love that, that impact that you, that, you know, you want the book to have. Um, so, you know, you kind of talked earlier about how these stories come from, you know, some personal experiences or some people that you know. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Um, some one story in particular. Um, it's the fourth story in the book, called "Having Faith." Um, I grew up in a fairly small town uh, south of Bloomington, um, and I grew up in church and was very active in the church and went many times a week when I was in youth group growing up in junior high and high school. And it was kind of rocky for a while um, because it wasn't necessarily something that was okay to be. Um, So it was a real struggle. And so in that story... Um, it was probably one of the more personal ones. Um, and it's, it's kind of something I touched on earlier. When you're writing a s- book, your soul kind of gets bared a little bit. Um, and so when I was writing it, I was almost like, ugh, do I, should I put that out there? Because this is really personal. Um, but I thought, you know what? I got to do it because there's people out there who need this who will relate to it um so and it's still something that i'm not gonna lie about it um i still identify as a christian very much and um it's still something that is in the back of my head a lot um just from how i grew up and still very much believe and um so people need guidance when it comes to that and where I grew up in Mitchell, there's there's only really one variety of religion. Um, and here in Bloomington, there's so many different faiths. Um, and if one you can't really fit into or you don't believe or you can't really justify, you can go other places. Um, and you can find a place where you're comfortable. Down there, it's a little different. There's a very limited scope of places you can go. Um, so it's encouraging when there are bigger cities, cities, I call Bloomington, <laughs> in Mitchell, when we do big shopping, we come to Bloomington, <laughs> going to Indy is like going to New York city. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah. So when I say city, that's Bloomington. Um, so when I came to IU, it just was like, oh my gosh, like there's all these religions so close together. They're all within reach and there's so many different ideas up here and um, it was refreshing. It was scary, but it was refreshing. Um, so, sorry to backtrack. Um, so in that story, it focuses on Christianity, but at the end of the book, there's a little 
well, I can't tell yeah. you. <laughs> you need to buy the book to figure that out. Um, so having faith, the fourth story is one that um, really connects deeply, I guess. Um, the others um, have more to do with friends, people I've met in college. Um, there are settings in the other books. Um, the one story having to do with the transgender individual. Um, when I was at IU, I worked for the Center for Sexual Health Promotion on a study that dealt with um, people who were transgender in San Francisco. And so I went through tons of interviews transcribing them, multiple. Um, and so I got to get into the real depths of people's lives who um, are transgender. And so um, I felt like I had a little bit of background in knowing that type of life. And so um, I thought, you know what, this needs to be in the book too because there's not a lot out there, especially for young adults, I, f I feel like, yeah. um, the need to hear that. So um, that was a story I felt like really needed to be in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you were saying that this book is a, or can be a lot of a guide for young people, things like that. As a child, did you have something like this or have something that was helped you, guide you through figuring out your sexuality? And um, I don't think it was till um, high school I found a couple novels that were written for young adults. You know, I don't even know how I found them. I think I was in Barnes & Noble and I just happened to be scanning the sections and um, they were very comforting to have. I remember once I was in junior high in a TV show came across on the television and it was about gay couples adopting children I was in my bedroom and I had it on and I remember being so scared like my family was going to walk in and see me watching it and I didn't want I felt like if they saw me watching it then they would know and then like my whole world would fall apart mm -hmm. and so I I was very cautious about watching had the TV turned down very low um and so growing up as a kid, I didn't have a lot of things like this, resources to where I could turn to to understand um, what to do or who to turn to or um, things like that. And really, um, it wasn't something that people talked about at all in, in Mitchell. Um, so I didn't really even know what it was necessarily at first or... If it was a phase, that's something that gets talked about a mm -hmm. lot. Um, it's not a phase. <laughs> I hate to tell you. It's not going to go away. Um, as much as some people would like it to, it's there to stay. Right. So um, I wish there was more stuff for kids. When I um, went to IU, I was part of the Gay, Lesbian, Bisexual Speakers Bureau. And one of my favorite classrooms to go into we would go into classes and do um panel discussions and p the students there would ask us questions similar to here um about our lives and growing up and um opinions on things going on i loved going into the education classes where future teachers were because i think teachers in the schools could really have a lot of say and a lot of 
um, influence on kids. And one thing I always would like to see in classrooms, because a lot of teachers keep a set of books in their classes that kids can just go and pick up. And there are books out there for kids that have a child, maybe two dads or two moms. And if you just have the book in your classroom, but you don't necessarily point it out, it just happens to be in there. A kid picks it up, reads it. Kids are not born with homophobia. It's taught. So if they're just introduced to that so early, well, they're not going to think anything about it um, because they read it in first grade. Yeah. Um, so to them, it's just always been a part of their lives. Um, so I think it needs to start early. Yeah. And I think one of the places it can start is in the classroom, which we have a long <laughs> way to go, I think, before that can happen. Um, I think the individual teachers are going to have to be the ones who are going to push it. Um, I think schools as a whole will have a hard time doing that. Absolutely, yeah. But I think that that idea is absolutely wonderful, and I completely agree. Mm-hmm. Earlier, we talked. You said uh, you were talking about growing up in Mitchell, you know, and how that was challenging for your faith, and then coming to IU and finding more. What was it like, um, you know, learning about your sexuality and coming to terms with your sexuality, both in Mitchell and then coming to IU? Um, I'll start off with coming to IU, well, in Mitchell. When I was checking out colleges in Mitchell, I didn't look very far before I picked Bloomington. One, it was close enough to home that I could go home when I needed to, but far enough that I could be away. Sure. Um, But also, which is a big factor, was because it was so GLBTQ friendly. Mm Mm-hmm. I'd always heard, you know, how open they were and um, what a open-minded campus it was and the town as a whole. And so I knew that it was a place where I would feel safe and welcome. Um, When I got here, I was a bit surprised. I went to a um, meeting with a gay organization um, for gay students and I almost felt a little bit like an outsider there because I, I was, it was like I was newly gay because <laughs> this was the first time I'd ever really interacted with other students or people who were gay of mm-hmm. my age. So it was a little culture shock almost. Um, and so it was hard for me to navigate that. Um, so it took me a while to get used to um I don't know how to say it, getting used to um, being around other people who were gay. Um, And I had to find the right niche of people to do that with. Um, That particular group, I didn't really feel comfortable enough to go back, but I found kind of my home with the Gay, Lesbian, Bisexual Speakers Bureau. It's a great group. You speak with a lot of the same people all the time. You get to know stories really well. Um, in terms of going back to Mitchell and figuring out sexuality, at the school, um, bullying was a bad problem. Um, I know that society is changing and things are getting better. 
um, hopefully things in high schools are getting better. I still think in rural communities we're still having problems. I'm sure in big cities too. Um, I think it's just people assume because in bigger cities things are going better and um, there's not as much bullying talked about. Um, I experienced it fairly extensively. Um, It got to the point where I had to switch schools after my sophomore year. Um, It just became too much at that school and um, I felt like there wasn't enough support um, to stay there. So um, I went to another school, which was also a rural town, but I don't, surprisingly, the teachers and the administration there were so much more um, backing and supportive and held people accountable and just such a great experience there. Um, Once again, the teachers and the administrators, if they're on board, things can be great. Um, So, (coughs) sorry, sorry, I get a little off track. Um, So, in the midst of finding my sexuality there, it didn't help that I was being bullied and these names were being called and being pushed in the hallway. And um, so that makes you think, ugh, is this all worth it? Like, do I really want to, like, tell people and stay out Mm -hmm. of the closet? Um, But I'm glad I did because, you know, some of those people that did it and – you know, years later, they come up to me on the streets, you know, I'm very sorry that that happened. I was young, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing. And that means a lot when those people come up to you years later. Yeah, it just, it takes some growing up sometimes, I think, and looking back. So um, maybe it was, it was a good thing that I stayed when I did. And um, because people do change, ideas do change. And so it was whenever anyone comes up and apologizes, it's like, yes, there's a victory there. <laughs> like maybe we changed someone's mind. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, thank you so much for beginning to share some of your story with us, uh, Ashton. And we are going to return uh, in just a few moments, but now it's time for our first music break of the evening. Right. And our uh, first song introduction comes from Gay News Network. Since its release, the video for Greg Gould's new song, Don't Let Go, which spotlights the struggle still endured by the LGBT community, has been gaining lots of media attention. The comments have been inspiring. It's exceeded all expectations, Gould says of the response the video has gotten. I'm grateful that my voice, and I don't just mean singing voice, is being heard, but more so, the greater message in the video. It's a message told via a collection of true stories from the LGBT community. I spent three months researching the stories and writing it, mostly from my own personal experiences or close friends that have gone through it, Gould says. After having so many in the industry say they couldn't or wouldn't work with me if I came out, I'd love to be able to make a name for myself and inspire other artists to be themselves and show that you can be out, open, and proud of who you are and still be just as successful. The powerful video is the perfect vehicle for Gould's rendition of Don't Let Go, a 90s R&B song made famous by En Vogue. The song is the first single from his debut EP, which features five brand new tracks. With Don't Let Go, here is Greg Gould.
often tell myself that we should be more than just friends I know you think that if we move too soon it would all end I live in misery when you're not around I won't be satisfied till we're taking those vows there'll be some There'll be sun Stars above are watching you They know my heart and speak to yours like only lovers do If I could wear your clothes and pretend I was you And lose control There'll be some heartbreaking, soul-shaking There'll be Don't you wanna be more than friends? Hold me tight and don't let go. Don't let go. Have the right to lose control. Oh 
to Don't Let Go by Greg Gould here on Blooming Out. We're back in the studio with Ashton Shaw Melvin, author of Life's Uncertain Journeys, a LGBTQ short, short story collection. And we are also back with a live studio audience. We have with us the class of C225 from the Media School that's reporting, writing, and editing. Uh, we have Chad Carruthers' class here with us in the studio. So that's a little, a little different. <laughs> but we're going to get back to Ashton. Uh, we were talking a little bit before about uh, you know, struggling with your sexuality, a little bit about the book, and we were just getting started talking about transitioning from Mitchell to... Uh, IU Bloomington. And so when you came to IU, what were you originally wanting to do? Um, when I started IU, um, another draw coming to IU was I was going to study nursing. Um, and I did pre-nursing and I was doing fairly well, but then I took a sociology course and um, fell in love with it, mostly because um, the social justice and equalities um, aspects of it um, because of what I had gone through and things I was passionate about um and so that totally flipped the coin and then I did sociology so that's where I stuck with um so yeah that's what I ended up saying <laughs> and um human sexuality was my minor and psychology also um so that's where the transgender studies came in was the human sexuality minor um some interesting classes with that minor yeah. um Got to see some pretty funky things. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I, I would definitely believe it. And how did you get from, you know, sociology major with uh, psychology and human sexuality minor to writing a book now? Um, yeah, so um, that, so even after I left IU, I started working um, for Stonebelt, which is an organization who um, helps people who have uh, 
intellectual disabilities and developmental disabilities, and I never saw myself doing something like that. Um, I saw myself doing different type social work type things, um, and I liked that work, um, but I eventually left there, and the biggest job I've had since then, I was an accountant for a credit union, um, which came out of nowhere. Um, sociology and banking um, don't <laughs> right. exactly go together. Um, but my great-grandfather was huge in banking. It kind of runs in the family, and he helped start up some banks. And um, So the writing just kind of... Um, I was sitting there watching TV one night, and started jotting down some notes and before I knew it I started typing and next thing you know what I've got stories coming out <laughs> at first I thought well this is just gonna be for fun um, and then it became something else um, I thought you know what we're gonna do this I'm just gonna hunker down and gonna do it a few about a month in I was like ugh. Am I really going to keep doing this? Um, I got two stories done, and I thought, well, I've kind of started to slow down, lose motivation a little bit. And then I decided, no, this this needs to happen because you need to do something for people out there. Um, I dedicated the book to people who needed a voice. And so that kind of kept me going um, and helped me finish the book. It took about three and a half months to do the book. Um so, yeah. Yeah. Ashton, sorry to cut you off so You're quick okay. here, but we have to do the top of the hour weather report real quick. And thank you for listening. You are listening to Listener Supported, WFHB, Bloomington, Bedford, Ellettsville, Nashville, Community Radio for South Central Indiana, online all the time at WFHB.org. Quick look at your weather forecast right now here at the Firehouse Station. It's about 65 degrees and mostly cloudy with a low of about 32 degrees tonight with thunderstorms in the evening, followed by occasional showers. Now I'll return you to Blooming Out. What do you think? All right, we're back here with Ashton Shaw, Melvin, and uh, you were just talking about um, your experience, your getting into writing and everything from uh, from being a sociology major. Um, so, do you see yourself writing more books in the future, continuing to do that? I've actually started on a second book. Um, I am not very far into it, but it's a little bit different um, from the first book because um, it's going to be a full-length novel um, rather than short stories. This one's geared more towards adults at the moment. Um, it's a little more in-depth, a little more um, uh, drama-filled, I guess. Um, it's... I'm passionate about the story. It's just a little different angle of where I'm going with it. Um, I don't see quitting writing at this point. I just enjoy it now. Um, and when I find myself slowing down, um, I try to like push through it. Mm -hmm. um, I Things I've been reading, like how to write a good book, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is interesting um all of them say when you feel like you're you've just hit a roadblock you have writer's block just keep going even if what you're writing is junk mm -hmm. you can come back and finish it later um so i'm trying to keep that in mind um so yeah that's kind of the plan for right now Awesome. And speaking of writer's block, yes, <laughs> uh, were there you know, ever any time, 
what were the challenges of the book? You know, were there any times that were particularly difficult for you? Um, one of the times was after writing the second story, um, Girl by the Lake. Um, that one, <laughs> when I was writing the end of it, I actually started crying um, writing it, which um, surprised me um, even um it was just very um, touching, even for me, um, even though it was coming out of my fingers typing it. Um, so I didn't know if I had another good one in <laughs> like that. Um, so after that, when I stopped for a little while, I don't know if I got burnt out or if I just felt like that's as good as you can do. Like maybe you're done. Um, but then the third one came, that fourth one, that was tough um, because of the nature of it too. Um, that's the having faith one. Um, it's almost the having faith one. While all of them have a sense of a kind of a love story in them actually, um, because in all of them that's kind of how the characters come to realize who they are is because someone comes into their life that they are romantically surprised that they're attracted to. Um, the fourth one, um, that is kind of similar to what happened to me, actually. Um, and so when I was writing, I thought, you know, should I do this? Um, because that really is what said, you know what, you really are gay. <laughs> because <laughs> these feelings are not just friendship feelings. Um, they're much more than that, and they're deep. And um, your first love holds on pretty tight. Um, and so writing that, um, your first love is not always, you may love them, but they may not love you back. doesn't mean you don't love them any less. Um, so it's almost like an atonement type book. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Atonement, <laughs> but um, it's kind of like something that you wish would have happened, but you know it's not going to. Um, but you let it happen through words um, in a book, a poem, something so that a piece of it does happen. It's just in a different way, I guess. So Absolutely. And, you know, not only do you have the you know, the actual writing part, you know, which is difficult, but you also, like you've been talking about, you've got this, you know, very heavy emotional part of that that's also just as much of a challenge. Right. Yeah. Have you um, gotten feedback from uh, readers? Any reception so far? Yeah. Um, you know, mostly friends mm -hmm. right now. Um, the first people to read it were family. Of course, they have to say, mm -hmm. oh, we loved it. <laughs> um one of my friends, she helped edit the book. She was actually the very first one to read it. And she was like, you have to make a sequel to this. I want to know what happened to this mm -hmm. person. I want to know what happened to this person. I don't think that's going to happen, probably. Um, I have been very pleased with people from my past that have liked the book um, or people who have bought the book that I never would have thought would have bought the book. And so that's unpleasantly surprising. Um, and also I've had 
um, some support from organizations here in Bloomington um, because I have a book signing this mm-hmm. Saturday yes. at Boxcar Books, and some organizations have helped me um, advertise that. Um, Prism Youth Community is one of them, mm-hmm. um, and the LGBTQ Student Service um, on IU's campus is another. So I'm very appreciative for them in doing that. Um, so it's been really great, actually. Yeah. I didn't know, you know, how well, like, was I going to sell one book, two books? It's been much different than that. So, um, yeah, I've been very happy with it. And, two, when I started this, it wasn't about making money. It was never about that. Um, as long, I always said from the beginning, as long as I affected one person, that's all I could ask for. That was all I wanted. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Uh, so, you know, where can people go and, and get the book, you know, if they're listening and they're wanting it now? Um, you can go to Amazon um, or Barnes & Noble online and order it. Um, you can get it on your iPhone. You can get it on there on the, I think it's iBooks. <laughs> <laughs> iTunes. Yeah. Like uh, Google Play. Um, you can get it on there also. Um, so that's kind of where you can get it right now. The book signing, of course, yeah. I'll have books there also for sale. Um so it's different places you can get it. Yeah. Awesome. And the the book signing, is it, um, so it's at Boxcar Books. It's yes. on Saturday. Yes. It's from 11 to 1. Okay. Yep. And I will be there um, making my friend come support awesome. me. She said she'll be crowd <laughs> control. Good. I told her she Good. has to be PR also. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, Ashton, thank you again uh, for joining us. We love talking to you. Yeah, yeah. no problem. It's been great. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And I mean, like he said, uh, you can buy Life's Uncertain Journeys, a LGBTQ uh, short story collection on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, a number of places <laughs> other than that. Uh, and yeah, it's now time for our next music break. Uh, Pop Matters says... Blues folk soul singer Ruthie Foster is a roots musician wonderkind. From these these aforementioned three genres and into gospel and rock, Foster refuses to be penned in, but rather allows her muse to take her where it will. A pure musical force of nature, a master musician, and an artist graced with one of the finest vocal instruments in the roots world, Ruthie Foster covers the Black Sabbath tune War Pigs in the first release off her upcoming album Joy Comes Back, converting the metal converting metal to the blues in a stunning cover. Ruthie Foster's new album Joy Comes Back releases March 24th via Blue Corn Music. Here is War Pigs. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields the body's burning As the war machine keeps turning to mankind Poison it that brainwashed minds 
Support for WFHB and Blooming Out comes from The Back Door, downtown Bloomington's queerest bar, dance club, and venue. From live bands and DJs to drag shows and karaoke, there's something for everyone every day of the week. The Back Door is located at 207 South College in the alley behind Atlas Bar, and more information can be found on Facebook or online at bckdoor.com. Blooming Out is also supported by the Quarryland Men's Chorus, Bloomington's premier chorus for gay, bi, and trans men and their allies. More information can be found at quarryland.org. And we will now turn to our news director, Noelle Phillips, for this week's LGBTQ plus news headlines. In the national news this week, the Associated Press reports that the Federal Department of Justice quietly removed legal opposition to North Carolina's controversial House Bill 2. The bill was signed into law last year, overturning anti-discrimination protections for LGBTQ people as well as introducing a bathroom ban. The American Civil Liberties Union and Lambda Legal, which represent four LGBTQ North Carolinians, are pursuing a legal challenge themselves. In a statement, they said, quote, We look forward to being back in court to fight to ensure that all transgender people in North Carolina are treated with the dignity and respect that they deserve and that is required by law, end quote. In other national news, the Supreme Court announced on Monday that it would not decide whether transgender student Gavin Grimm could use the boys' restroom at his Virginia high school. The justices sent the case back to the same lower U.S. appeals court that last year ruled in Grimm's favor, with the dispute centering on a federal anti-discrimination law, a constitutional issue, and the Trump administration's February 22nd action. For Grimm, it is only a temporary setback in the fight for transgender rights. So of course this was disappointing. It's, I don't think anyone wanted this to draw out um, longer, but this is what we're working with and I sort of take things as they come. Yelp, the online review site, announced Friday plans to roll out a new feature on their desktop site and on their mobile app that will allow users to identify businesses that have gender-neutral restrooms. Yelp was one of 53 companies who signed a friend-of-the-court brief in support of Gavin Grimm's Supreme Court case. Luther Lowe, Yelp's VP of Public Policy, released a statement last week explaining why the company supports Grimm. Quote, inclusivity isn't just right. It can be good for every business's online reputation and bottom line. End quote. In other news, Utah could repeal an anti-gay law which bans the advocacy of homosexuality in schools. The bill to repeal the law is headed for the desk of Republican Governor Gary Herbert, which he could sign or veto. 
The law, which effectively bans positive discussions of LGBT plus issues, is the subject of a lawsuit by several students, Equality Utah, and the National Center for Lesbian Rights. In 2015, a landmark Utah law, backed by the Mormon Church and passed by a Republican supermajority, advanced statewide non-discrimination protections for LGBTQ people. It was known as the Utah Compromise. Governor Gary Herbert spoke at the law's signing last year. And I have no doubt that the eyes of the nation are upon us as we have shown a way to resolve a somewhat contentious issue in a very satisfactory manner. And I do believe that what we've done here will become a model for the rest of the country of how they too can resolve these issues in their own respective states as we find the right balance necessary to discourage discrimination while protecting religious liberty. On Wednesday, the Senate in Utah passed a final version of the bill that replaced the words advocacy of homosexuality with advocacy of premarital or extramarital sexual activity. It passed with 27 votes to one, after passing in the House 68 to one. The executive director of Equality Utah, Troy Williams, celebrated the vote saying, quote, this is a historic day for LGBTQ students in Utah, end quote. In a surprising decision this week, OutVets, a gay veterans group, was banned from marching in South Boston's 2017 St. Patrick's Day Parade. According to CBS, the South Boston Allied War Veterans Council, which organizes the parade, voted 9-4 to four to exclude the group. In 1995, the Supreme Court upheld their right to keep LGBTQ and other groups from marching, since the event is privately funded. For the last two years, OutVets has been permitted to walk in the annual parade after organizers voluntarily accepted their application. In a 2015 interview with MSNBC, OutVets founder Brian Bishop explained why the group should be included. When I went to South Boston to talk to the parade organizers, I showed respect to the Allied War Veterans Council as a veteran and said, we're a veterans organization. We're not pushing a political agenda. What we're trying to do is help veterans. That's what our organization does. I said, you know, you say no to us as a veterans group who is not pushing an agenda. The headline's going to read, Southie says no to veterans. Governor of Massachusetts Charlie Baker and Mayor of Boston Marty Walsh both stated they will not march in the parade if the group is excluded. Bishop implied that members of the organization may not march, even if they are allowed back in. If they want me to change my, change the logo, if they want me to change the identity of this organization to satisfy discrimination, absolutely not. Absolutely not. In honor of International Women's Day on March 8th, we're recognizing Kasha Jacqueline Nabagasira as she spends her life fighting for the rights of LGBTQ people in Uganda. Homosexuality is illegal in 38 African countries, and in Uganda, same-sex relations are punishable by prison sentences. In 2003, Nabagasira co-founded Freedom in Rome, Uganda to defend the rights of Uganda's LGBTQ people. The organization became the first of its kind in the country. In 2009, an anti-homosexuality bill, commonly known as the Kill the Gays Bill, was submitted to the Ugandan parliament. It proposed implementing the death penalty for some same-sex relations. Nabagasira spoke about her experience at TEDx Liberdad. And these members of parliament actually began fighting amongst each other because some of them wanted death penalty by hanging and others wanted death penalty by firing squad. Before the missionaries brought the Bible, that is being used to condemn sexual minorities today. 
people really did not mind about sexual minorities. Actually, they were very respected. In 2010, before the bill was abandoned following worldwide outrage, a local tabloid newspaper published the names and addresses of 100 gay people beneath the headline, Hang Them. Nabigasir's details were on the list, and so were those of her friend, fellow activist David Cato, who was beaten to death a year later. People are being exposed in the media. People are losing their jobs. Children at school are being bullied because their parents have been exposed in the media. People are actually being killed because of being exposed in the media. In December 2014, Nabi decided to do something about the media witch hunt and began Kuchu Times. The organization is a voice for the LGBTQ community by publishing their stories. We are now going to take over the media. We are telling our side of the story. You want to expose us? You don't need to anymore. We are here, and people have written their stories. In 2015, she created Bombastic, Uganda's first LGBTQ magazine. The free magazine publishes personal stories and the experiences of the community in order to raise awareness and fight discrimination. We are not giving up. We know it's going to be a long journey to freedom. We know it's going to take some lives along the way. We know many are going to leave the country, which they have already done. But we are saying, if we give up, then we will not have achieved what made us stand out in the first place. For her continued activism, Nabagasira has received multiple awards, including the 2011 Martin Annals Award for Human Rights Defenders, the 2013 Nuremberg International Human Rights Award, and the 2015 Right Livelihood Award. For Blooming Out on WFHB, I'm Noelle Phillips. Uh, and thank you, Noelle, for that uh, news update. And our last song intro this evening comes to you from NPR. Stefan Merritt, singer, songwriter, and principal musician of indie pop's Magnetic Fields, likes a concept and a challenge, and he set himself up with a big one, to create an album with 50 songs, one for each unfolding year of his life. Beyond the circularity of his favorite subjects, love and music, 50-song memoir is ultimately about transcending, whether it's serious family dysfunction, physical and mental illness, or being queer at the epicenter of what was once labeled a gay plague. Through hard work and strikingly singular talent, its author elevates himself out of absolute poverty and somehow manages to write dozens of playful and often hilarious songs about it all. Memoirs is a tour de farce of melody and arrangement. It's confirmed in Fox and I that the aspiring musician longed to be Ultravox's John Fox, who at Punk's peak declared he wanted to be a machine. With 83 Fox and I, here is the magnetic fields. Change into a machine, girl or white, black or poor. 
serene Beneath the sky on repro blue on grass of green street green I'll stand by on my trackback, I can't wait to be 16 And I, decades later at my DJ night, our conversation takes flight. Craftwork and clavichords. To finish out tonight's show, it's time for your weekly LGBTQ plus area event calendar. Uh, on Sunday, join DJ Aaron Tilford at Monsieur. Monsieur is a weekly event at the Root Cellar Lounge beneath Farm Bloomington. DJ Tilford will start spinning the beats beginning at 8 p.m. The Hoosiers Out Together Conference 2017 will be held at Purdue University March 31st through April 2nd. Cost is $15 for students, $25 for non-students. HOTCon is the first college conference to focus on the history, present conditions, and future visualizations of LGBTQ people in Indiana. Over three days of workshops, presentations, activities, and panels, we will explore the challenges that face us as LGBTQ Hoosiers. HOTCon is space for students, faculty, staff, and community members. The second annual Gabe Hines Celebration of Life Drag Show will be held on Saturday, April the 1st from 1 to 3 in Shreve Hall at the Ivy Tech Community College campus in Bloomington. The show is a fundraiser for the Student Emergency Fund at Ivy Tech. 100% of the tips go towards the Ivy Tech Student Emergency Fund. Featured entertainers include Vicki St. James, Silky Ganache, Sania Omni Hall, Bendova Plenty, and Oriana Perón. The event is hosted by Miss Vanessa Vale. It is an all-ages event, free and open to the public. Continuing the long list of RuPaul's Drag Race contestants at the back door, on Friday, April 14th, Courtney Act will perform. More information can be found on Facebook. And finally, begin preparing your stomach for Prism Youth Community's Rainbow Pancake Brunch on April the 15th at the Unitarian Universalist Church in Bloomington. More information can be found on Facebook. That's all the time we have for this evening. We'd like to thank you for tuning in tonight. If you're interested in volunteering here at WFHB or for our show, contact volunteer at wfhb.org. You can also call us at 812-323-1200, tweet us at bloomingoutwfhb, visit our Blooming Out Facebook page, or find us on Instagram. The executive producer of Blooming Out is Joe Crawford. The producer is Ryan Shaddy. The associate producer and board engineer is Sarah Hetrick. And the news director is Noelle Phillips. Finally, our theme music is an original composition produced for Blooming Out by Aaron Gage. 
For Blooming Out and Colin Schasberger, I'm Grace Thumser. Please tune in again next Thursday at 5.30 p.m. and visit us online at bloomingout.com. Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTQ plus radio program, airs every Thursday evening here on WFHB at 5.30 p.m. You can also stream us 24 hours a day, seven days a week on WFHB.org or BloomingOut.com. Thank you for listening. Please tune in again next week to Blooming Out.